I'm a person with a disability. I'm a wheelchair user. I think a lot of people see the chair first rather than the person sitting on it. I think if society was more accepting of disability, it would make, you know, it would make my life easier. From the freak shows of the early 1600s that exhibited biological deformities, disabled people have been thrust to the sidelines of society. Access and Attitudes aims to highlight some of the barriers, both physical and attitudinal, that disabled people face. The programme emphasises the importance of equality and inclusivity and aims to create a stronger sense of awareness around issues of disability, impairment, access and attitudes. My name is Sarah Harrington and I'm a disability activist. I am making this programme to highlight the barriers disabled people face both attitudinally and physically. I would like to welcome you all to today's programme on disability relationships and parenthood. These are not necessarily words you would ordinarily hear in the same sentence, but the aim of today's program is to raise awareness of the fact that everybody is entitled to loving relationships regardless of disability. For some reason, the idea of People with disabilities being in loving relationships evokes horror and disgust among the general population. The primary aim of this program is to convey that disabled people have the same needs, wants and desires as everyone else. And they have the right to marry and create a family if they so wish with appropriate supports in place. I hope that it will open the door for meaningful, honest and open discussions on the issue. I undertook a research project in my undergraduate degree called Disability and Loving Relationships in the Media. Some of the findings include isolation, lack of access to places where people normally meet, such as public houses, coffee shops, sporting events, restaurants, concerts, theatre. Transport can present a major barrier for people to get out. It is very difficult to get taxis, particularly at night time, and this leads to isolation and puts disabled people at a further disadvantage when trying to meet somebody. 
often those with disabilities find themselves encountering attitudinal, communicational and architectural barriers. People with disabilities should be made feel included in all areas of congregational life, including having their rights respected at every level. There is an ongoing battle to change the way the media portrays disability. It is time to say goodbye to the pity slash heroism attitude and view disabled people as contributing members of society. This has been a common aim throughout the series and this program is no exception. There is evidence to suggest that poor social relationships lead to poor mental health and well-being amongst the physically disabled. Okay, Laura, how do you think disability is generally understood in Ireland? Um, I'm not sure how disability is understood in Ireland, to be honest. I, I probably think that a lot of people don't know how to react to it or deal with it because they have no um, dealings with it themselves. I don't think, I think unless you have kind of personal dealings with somebody with a disability, they don't know how to deal with that, you know, deal with how to react to somebody or how to um, deal with somebody, which I think is kind of bad, but I think it's just the reality of life. Where we have lived with disability in Ireland, it's not very well accepted, I don't think. Do you feel that societal understanding uh, influenced by the medical or social model of disability? I think, I'm not too sure, but I think that perceptions of disability is definitely influenced by like the media. Yeah, I think the media has a lot to do with it because, like, the more people with disabilities are seen in, like, TV adverts and in TV shows and stuff like that, then people will, will kind of see it as, as normal. I think the, the whole thing about disability and everything like that, that is that people don't see it as normal, so people need it needs to be normalised. So that, you know, I think it's a lot of got to do with activism and the government and societal changes in order to let people see that we're, we're average people in society as well. How do you feel societal views of disability affect your own views of your disability? Um, I think society has a lot to do with my own like, views of disability because like I think if society was more accepting of disability, it would make, you know, it would make my life easier. A lot of it is not just to do with people's perceptions. A lot of it is to do with kind of access issues as well. I think if we were able to access transport more easily or, or buildings more easily, then we wouldn't be seen as different by other people because we could go wherever we wanted to go. I think it's not necessarily just people's fault, it's the way this, that society is constructed um, that makes it difficult for us to 
Liverpool build, you know, life like your access to employment is difficult and all that as well. So I think, you know, definitely the way society society views us has an impact on the person because it, it stops us from socialising fully or from getting a job that we want or, you know, I think a lot of it is just Got, not just got to do with access, but I think access would help change the perceptions of society. Some people find themselves pressurised into hiding or not talking about their disabilities when in relationships. This itself can manifest in feelings of unworthiness and unattractiveness. Disabled people are often portrayed in the media under the medical model which states that a person's disability is their responsibility rather than the responsibility of society. This in turn affects perceptions which form attitudes towards disability. Disabled people can often internalise such attitudes which leads to feelings of inadequacy, low confidence and low self-esteem regarding the formational stages of a relationship. This low self-esteem can lead to problems such as depression and anxiety. How do you think the sexuality of people with disabilities is understood in Ireland? I think a lot of the thing about sexuality and like relationships and stuff like that when it comes to people with disabilities is just fear. Like I think a lot of it is fear even in, t- in with rela- like friendship relationships and I think people are just afraid because they don't know how to react or they're worried that if they were to get in a serious relationship that like whether we can have children or whether we can you know have a full relationship I think it's surely just that people are worried or they don't know how to react or they don't even know how to approach us or even ask us out like Maybe if they wanted to bring us on a date or something, they wouldn't know, like, where to go or, you know, what to do with us because maybe they would want to go to a football match or something and we don't, you know, they might not think that we're into football or whatever. I don't know, like, I think it's just fear. And I think maybe we're seen as people that don't, that don't um, want or need to be in a relationship. I think maybe we're seen as just... Oh, they're in a chair so that they don't, they're not bothered with that kind of side of life, which is totally untrue and we all know that. But I think sometimes people just see us as as in the chair and sure that's gone, we don't need to have a relationship. What factors contribute to these understandings and where do you think they come from? Okay, so I probably kind of said a little bit already, but... I definitely think like social media has a lot to do with it, or the media in general has a lot to do with it. In general, Ireland is kind of an old-fashioned society, and we're very slow to kind of move on with the times. So I think like I think things have improved, but sometimes 
we're still living in kind of this like the older ages where people with disabilities were kind of just put away in you know homes and stuff like that so I think it all comes from you know that things are really bad at a time and they haven't they've changed but they haven't fully changed um so I think that's contributed to people's view of us as well and I yeah I definitely think that social media and um the media and stuff like if there was more kind of actors and actresses in wheelchairs or like if there was more celebrities in wheelchairs it would probably help to normalise so, normalise disability in society and relationships and stuff like that. As stated previously, isolation is often a problem for people with disabilities due to a lack of accessible venues and transport. Therefore, technology can help with the formation of social relationships as it is almost universally accessible. Dating apps can help or eliminate the awkwardness of declaring one's disability as it is possible to put it in one's profile. This can eliminate awkward conversations and possible stigmatizations. It also eliminates the potential access issues one may encounter in bars and restaurants, etc., which I referred to earlier in the program. It gives an opportunity to speak to the person and find common ground before meeting in real life. Technology is, however, a double-edged sword, as although you are interacting with people in society on some level, it's not the same as a face-to-face communication. Technology can help with the initial forming of a relationship, but unless one follows that with a face-to-face interaction, then the relationship is liable to dwindle to nothing. Social integration within one's community is essential for combating loneliness and isolation. Parenthood and disability are not necessarily words you would hear in the same sentence. But whether you have a acquired disability or were born with an impairment, researchers estimate that at least 4 million parents in the United States, that's roughly 6% of the parent population, have a disability. At the same time, disabled parents often contend with bias and speculation concerning their parenting capabilities, especially by large institutions. Parenthood and the right to create a family are enshrined in the UN Declaration of Human Rights. And people with disabilities should be supported in order to parent to the best of their ability. It has been said the children of parents 
who have a disability acquire more life skills and are more independent than their peers. They're also more empathetic and insightful and have higher self-esteem. It is crucial to avail of all the supports for a happy family life when there is a parent with a disability. No one wants to feel a burden on either family members or society. Would you please introduce yourself? Okay, Sarah, my name is Mary O'Shea and I actually work here as a volunteer at Life FM and I do the show Disability Forum on a Wednesday morning and I'm usually the one at the other end of the microphone but now I'm here as an interviewee and it feels terribly strange. We're here to talk about parenthood, disability and societal attitudes to parenthood and disability. How do you think parenthood with a disability or impairment is generally understood in Irish society? From my point of view, I don't think it's understood at all. Uh, some people do understand it if they have a person who has a wheelchair, is a wheelchair user or is visually impaired or a hearing impaired. But if you don't understand that, people don't know anything about it. They just leave you be. They, you're just like an outcast to society. And it's very hard for them to understand how to deal with a person with any disability. They're, I think they're not educated enough. And that's the first thing I would say, that education is vital for, for everybody. And it should be introduced at schools, especially secondary school. What language did you find was used in relation to disability and parenthood? Well, it was for me, um, the word wheelchair bound. I just don't like that term at all because we are not, we are not wheelchair bound. We get out of the chair, we go to bed, we get out of the chair to sit in an armchair or anything like that. So we're not wheelchair bound as such. We're wheelchair users. So that's the term I actually dislike altogether. Or we are people with disabilities. We're not in the chair all the time. So I'm a person with a disability. I'm a wheelchair user. And I think a lot of people see the chair first rather than the person sitting on it. People don't understand, so the communication is not there. And you kind of, I suppose long ago people were left at home. I kind of probably before our generation, the, anybody with a disability was left at home. They didn't go to school, they didn't go to work, they didn't go to mass. Whereas now, that's not acceptable anymore. And one that goes out into society, has an education, goes to college, goes to work, and things are totally different. So nobody knows really what to do. And you mentioned the word outcasts. Um, which is quite a strong term. It is, isn't it? Um, what did you mean by that? How do you feel like an outcast as a parent with a disability? Well, I suppose 
from a parent's point of view, uh, if you're if you're small children, you need help to change somebody's nappy. You need help to give somebody a bath, your child a bath. You need help with different things. And basically, I felt when I was a, a parent of young children that's chair, that my children were taken off me, somebody else was changing their nappy, somebody else was dressing them, somebody else was giving them a bath. And I was kind of sitting there and I goes, right, I'm the mother here. Like, what? this is my job to look after my child. So, you know, give me the time to do it. And with a bit of help from somebody, one can actually do it. With help, not take over the job from you. And how did you manage that delicate balance of needing help with certain things and doing certain things on your own? Because that is quite a delicate balance. Uh, I just found it very hard. Um, you often have to kind of, you'd have to talk to whoever was there and just say, look, encourage them to give you the chance to be involved with your own child. And it was using proper and appropriate words and not giving out to somebody was just say, look, you know, I'm glad you're your help, but could you just be with me and let me do it rather than you taking over and say it in a nice way. What are your views on parenting with a disability? Well, I feel I'm the same as any other mother. I'm no different. Uh, my children are no different to any other, other children. I have the same... Uh, problems, but luckily enough, my children are quite good. They've grown up with me with a disability. They understand and they're very helpful. A lot of people would think that uh, that would be very bad for children, but I think it's good for them to. They, they now understand other people, me, they understand other people which in wheelchairs or who has a disability. So they're more careful, they're more watchful for somebody else and they were more inclined to help. So I'm the same as any other mother. I run the house, I come to work, I've done their lessons with them when they were going to school, I've helped them in any way I can, exactly the same as any other mother would do. So there's no difference between me and any other mother. What do you think could be done to change people's attitudes towards parenting with a disability? Well, I suppose education, again, is a big thing for me. If people don't understand, they kind of come in and take over your house as if you're not able to do something. Letting people know how to, how to, how you, how they can help you rather than take over your life uh, because the help is more important. So education, some PAs are very good but you get few that are not education enough, they need a little more training. But also, I think, as I said earlier in the interview, uh, schools could be more that you, people can go into the schools, especially in transition year, uh, when they have a free year to 
educate them. And I think they has work experience. A lot of these children could go out, young adults, I suppose, rather than children, they could go out to the likes of the Irish Wheelchair Association and different organisations and work with them for the week that they're out in work experience and they will gain valuable information there. So definitely... Um, I also think that really going back into relationships there, if you're a person in the wheelchair and you're married to an able-bodied person, like in my instance, my husband is able-bodied, I'm a wheelchair user. I wasn't always a wheelchair user when we got married 35 years ago. I was able to walk, albeit not great, but I was able, I was standing. Um, and then I developed my disability, my muscular dystrophy, developed a lot worse, and now I'm in a wheelchair. And that has changed the guidelines to a certain degree even in our marriage and in our relationship. If you see uh, somebody in a wheelchair with an able-bodied person, a man with a woman or vice versa, a woman with, with a man who's in a wheelchair, I don't think people understand that that actually works and if you do get married you're married for life for better or for worse in sickness and in health and you just we get on with it it works your, your guidelines change but it can be done and they all and also the you know people don't think that we can have children either and we can the same as everybody else i had two children by natural childbirth inside in the hospital and I was actually my my children came quicker than a lot of people who had epidurals. Amory was born a lot quicker than there was two other ladies inside in the room uh, with me and the both of them had epidurals and I was had a natural childbirth and she was born quicker than them. And as regards the pregnancies did they take a toll on your body? Uh, that is, yeah. On both occasions, my uh, the muscular dystrophy deteriorated on both occasions. Uh, so it did take a, a lot out of me. So, yeah. Uh, so I was actually walking kind of, albeit bad. Uh, it was bad when I, I, was, I was pregnant with Anne-Marie. And then I kind of started to, when she, after she was born, I was using the wheelchair, a manual wheelchair a bit. And then Donald was born and that took another toll out of me and I started using the wheelchair more. And I was a manual chair. Now I was walking around the house badly, but when I started, was going out then I had to use a wheelchair. And I used to have one, uh, whoever was the youngest then, was sitting on my lap. And uh, sometimes Sean would have to push the wheelchair and have Anne-Marie hanging onto the wheelchair. At one side she'd have to hold the arm. So. The, the guidelines were different, but we had to introduce rules for, and it worked. You say the guidelines were different. How exactly were the guidelines different? Well, I suppose if both the man and the woman are walking, you never think of one being in a wheelchair. And then maybe two years after, year or two after my second child was born I had to use the wheelchair more so uh, the guide, what I mean by guidelines rules regulations about how you'd actually have to think about what you're doing 
and where you're going and what you have to take uh, what you have to do to get from A to B whereas if you're a normal person you just throw yourself into the car and off you go uh, if you go on holidays with a baby you're going to have all child stuff plus a wheelchair plus whatever I need so you have to think more into and bit deeper into what you actually have to do How do you think disability relationships and parenthood is portrayed in the media? I don't think it's portrayed very well. Uh, Luckily enough here we have the programme Disability Forum, as I said, which I host earlier. And uh, only for that programme there's a lot of information, hopefully that is helpful to people, which I give. A lot of people, a lot of media, a lot of television stations, a lot of radio stations don't have anything on, or don't have anything, or if they do, it's very little. And I think it's kind of coming more popular now at the moment. It's, it's getting there, but it could be a lot better and improved a good bit. So basically I think that there's no representation of any parent or anybody in the media out there to represent us really and it's something that could be looked into in the future from a media point of view. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland using the television licence fee in partnership with Cork Centre for Independent Living and Life FM. Music provided by Chris Zabriskie, presented by Sarah Harrington and produced by Cathy O'Hare.